The following podcast is a She Did It and SydneyNanberg.com production. Welcome back to the She Did It podcast. My name is Sydney Nanberg, and I am the creator and founder of She Did It and SydneyNanberg.com, your self care and mindset resource. If you are listening to this, thank you because you are committed to investing in your own personal growth and development, and I appreciate you being a contributor to this community. My intention is to consistently share valuable information and lessons to help you live a fulfilling life. I want you to come here looking for inspiration and leave with the tools you need to take on whatever it is you are going after. Achieving fulfillment starts with taking the first step, and you're doing it. Hey everyone, it's Sydney. Welcome back. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to another episode of the She Did It podcast. I am so grateful to have you part of this community. And if you are finding these episodes valuable, please leave a review. I would be so grateful. My mission is really to make an impact, share empowering stories, and give you a resource for all things mindset and self-care. And if you are listening to this, then you are on the right path. So thank you so, so much. Today, I've been so excited about this episode. We are talking to the fear expert herself and author of Fear is My Homeboy, Judy Holler. Judy is an absolute inspiration. Her story is incredible. She has battled through fear, faced obstacles, and has never let anything stop her, which I am I'm just amazed by. Her energy is contagious, magnetic, and you are going to love her. She's all about using fear to motivate you and get to the next level in life. I cannot wait for you to hear her story, advice, and practical tips that you can implement starting today. So get ready for a powerful episode and let's dive in. Welcome, Judy. I'm so excited to have you on the She Did It podcast. I have been really looking forward to this episode and you are such an inspiration. So thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. I am so excited and honored to be here. She did it. We did it and we're about to do it. So I can't wait. Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, why don't you start by telling us your story? Where, where did your journey begin? Tell us who you are. What's your story? Oh my gosh, such a brave question to ask. So let me break it up two ways. So personally, I'm a Midwest chick who loves old school hip hop and leopard print and all things sequin. So if you follow me on the gram, you kind of pick that up. I am... I born and raised in St. Louis, lived in Chicago. Now I live in Ohio. I'm married. I'm a stepmom. I'm a dog mom to a golden retriever named Tito, who I'm obsessed with. And I'm also equally obsessed with um, spinning. I'm a big spin bike person and I have a Peloton in my house and I'm, uh, it's like my mental wellness, right? It's therapy on wheels. And so those are, those are some things that kind of sum me up uh, personally right now. And then professionally, my story. So I have a background in sales and marketing. I worked for big brand hotel companies and I built a a pretty successful career, a 15 plus year career in the meetings industry. And I moved to Chicago by way of a big promotion in that industry at the age of 30. And this is like a big flashpoint for me because it got me out of St. Louis into um, a big city and it got me out of my comfort zone for the first time in my life. I went away to college, but this was just so different. I went to a a small state school like Missouri State University. So I I hadn't really like lived in a big city. So 
Um, I, I moved around the age of 30 to Chicago by way of a promotion. And I began to study at night and on the weekends improv theater at Second City, the world famous Second City. Oh my improv gosh, theater. I love it theater in Chicago. So I was doing like by day, I was sales and marketing and corporate America and the nine to five or whatever that was. And then at night, here I am this like improviser. And I signed up for the basic classes that anybody can take. And I ended up auditioning for the conservatory, the professional program. I got in, I stayed in, I did improv at Second City for over five years. I had an independent ensemble for about three years. So I did almost eight and a half years of, of improv professionally while uh, doing sales and marketing and by day. And this is really what changed everything for me. It changed my perspective on fear. It changed my perspective on getting uncomfortable. And it really led me to the work I now do. I, I left it all. I left my career in, uh, you know, my, my full-time job, the, the, the paycheck, if you will, in 2016 to create and to write and to speak full time. And, and that's what I do now. I'm a creator. I, I work primarily as a keynote speaker and I create speeches to help audiences live braver, bolder lives. I, I work as an author. I created my first book, Fear is My Homeboy, which we'll talk about. I love it. Yes, yes we will. Whoa. It came out just in May, May 28th. And so it, we're so proud of it. It became an instant Amazon bestseller. It's currently being translated into Russian and Chinese as we speak. And um, it's just a book about courage and bravery. And it's a collection of stories and ideas and tactical tools to help you get out of your own way. And then I would say last, I'm the creator of the uh, what we call the Fear Boss community, which has really been built, the big idea that has been built around uh, my book. And we can talk about all of that. But in a nutshell, that's who I am sort of personally and professionally. Oh, my gosh, I love it. First of all, we're going to get into fear is my homeboy and everything and talk about fear. But I have to tell you something crazy. When I was so I, I left school when I was 20, I dropped out. But before I pursued um, my career in marketing before I became the CEO of my marketing agency, I decided to do everything that would scare me. And one of the things that I did was I signed up for comedy improv classes. Yes. And I was terrified yes. and I loved it. I ended up loving it. So I think it's so, and I know Second City really well, but I did this out in Arizona. However, it totally changed my life. It took me out of my comfort zone and I recommend it to everybody. So I thought that that's so funny that you said that you did that. Oh, I love it. And, you know, here we are connecting online. Like we picked up on each other's energy right. and our messaging. And I love that we didn't even know that we had that connection. This is what's so cool. I mean, people are like onions, but I love that you have done it improv. And it really is like, I always joke that it's like, it was fear church. It was really where I began to have a different conversation with my fear because all of that improv training, I mean, it's throughout my book. My book is not an improv book, but improv, right. what I learned in the improv theater inspires all of my work every single day. And some of those big themes and mantras in the improv theater are really the themes and mantras that help me move bravely forward in my life to live a brave life. So I love that we have that connection because I do agree with you. It's like life training. You know, you don't need to be, you don't need to be funny to take an improv class. You just need to be brave enough to show up and the rest will happen naturally. Absolutely. The hardest part was showing up, but when you're there, you are so 
for me at least, I was so out of my element because I was so quiet and shy. But what it helped me to do was be quick on my feet. And I remember like there were times where I would have to to redo certain scenes or, or whatever it was, I wish the, the teacher would make me redo it because I was so shy. But the more that I redid it, the more comfortable I got and the more confidence I, I gained. And so one of my questions for you was, when did you learn to be fearless? Is this really, was comedy, was improv really when you learned to be become fearless? Were you afraid going into it? Is it something that you had done before? Okay, I love this. So I had never done uh, improv comedy before. I was new to it. So I had, I had a performance background. Like, you know, in grade school, I did speech meets. Like I was that kid who would like go memorize monologues and perform them, right? Like I loved it. And so it's kind of ironic. Like, I'm a <laughs> yeah. speaker now. Like I never set out to go be a keynote speaker. I honestly didn't even know it was like a thing I could go do, but I loved performing. Um, I'm like an extroverted introvert. So I kind of like fall in the middle, but I do love storytelling and performing. And it's, it's a superpower of mine and um, it's a gift I've had for years. And so I did a little bit of theater, but I had never done improv, but I had always been obsessed with Saturday night live and the comedy scene. Yeah. And I knew, I knew that second city is where, and you know, some of the theaters, you know, IO in Chicago. There's other theaters around Chicago, but really Chicago is a breeding ground for a lot of the talent that has been on Saturday Night Live over the years. So I always said, like, if I ever got to Chicago, I'd take an improv class. But um, I'll even like peel the layer back on your question a little bit because um, this idea of fearless, I would lean into because I wouldn't say that I am fearless. And I would actually say that none of us are. And I don't think that we should be. So um, in my book, I, I dig into this that, you know, I sort of do a rant, if you will, on the word fearless. And I sort of loathe this word because if you really think about the word fearless and if you were really truly fearless. You would do all kinds of crazy stuff. Like you would never pay your taxes. You would never go to a doctor. You would walk down dark alleys alone at night by yourself. Like you'd eat poisonous foods uh, on purpose. You'd do all this goofy stuff. And, and Elizabeth Gilbert wrote a beautiful book called Big Magic. And in it, she said, the only fearless people I know are five-year-olds and, and like sociopaths. So I don't think we want to be like either one of those things. So the goal really shouldn't be to be fearless. The goal should be to figure out how to fear our fear less. And this is what makes you brave. So, so now that my rant on the word fearless is over, so maybe, maybe I, maybe I lean into this idea of like, when did I learn to become brave? Right. And so for, for me, I would say that I'm still learning. I am still working on it like every single day. But I think it hit me for the first time when I realized that every time I put myself into an uncomfortable situation, taking an improv class, speaking up in a meeting, uh, sitting in the front row at a meeting, asking the first question, speaking up first on the conference call, going to networking events alone, asking for the raise, uh, confronting a toxic person, you know, all of these uncomfortable things were also the exact times that I was leveling up. Like it was, those were the moments that I was making monumental shifts. I started to like connect the dots. I noticed that it was how I was getting noticed. It was how I was earning more. It was how I was connecting more powerfully and profitably. And I started to get like addicted to that reward, that payoff, which encouraged me to sort of like 
keep experimenting, if you will, with my fear, um, which is really the big idea behind my work on fear. Uh, this idea of experimenting with our fear every day on purpose in order to get more comfortable being uncomfortable. I think that's incredible. And I saw that you, I think I saw that you said somewhere that fear can motivate us. And I think that it, it, what you're saying is that it can motivate us to be brave so that we can achieve um, a certain reward to level up in life. Yeah, like, you know, fear can be an incredible GPS and a compass, right? Either either keeping you like really safe out of real danger, like don't talk to that stranger or get out of this elevator or, oh my God, you know, you almost got hit right. by that car, right? So there's that fear response. But then there's the fear that of like taking an improv class or, you know, speaking up when you know something wrong is happening or leaving a toxic relationship or quitting the bad habit or going live on a podcast or pushing send on the email with all these little brave things that we do every day that still require us to get uncomfortable in order to get the comfortable thing we really seek. So when you look at fear as a motivator, you know, another example would be, you know, this idea of, of imposter syndrome that I think a lot of us yeah. deal with or, or yeah, like comparison or jealousy. When those things show up for me, why do we give the negative behavior like comparison or jealousy or imposter syndrome the power? Why don't we instead snatch it up for ourselves? And here's where I'm going with that. When imposter syndrome shows up for me or jealousy shows up for me, instead of letting it make me feel gross or icky, I get excited because it means that I have arrived. It hasn't arrived. I've arrived because it shows me that I want more for myself because it means I'm looking at someone else's success saying, aha, good for her. Good for him. Ooh, but I want it too. And so for me, it's a clue. It's a clue. It's a point of discovery. And it's something that I sort of lean into. So I don't give fear the power. I snatch it up for myself and then go discover. And I try to find a way to let that jealousy or let that comparison inspire me into creating something for myself or my business. That is so powerful, Judy, because that's all about perspective. And I think we get so caught up in everything that you just said, like you nailed it, like comparison, comparison. It's true. It is the thief of joy and jealousy and all of these things. Most of the time we let it, you know, take control of our minds in a negative way. But looking at it as a clue, like you just said, is such a powerful statement because that totally shifts the situation so that you can then get to the next level in life and take another step forward. I think that's amazing. A, a great way of putting it. Oh, I love that you leaned into that. And the word clue even brings me back to this whole like feeling of like, I'm a scientist, like I'm a fear scientist. That's why I call them fear experiments. Because think about it. If you're just experimenting, if you're just experimenting, right. If you're running an experiment, like say, for example, a podcast, like I'm going through this right now where there's something new I need to create in my business, or maybe it's a book, or maybe it's a social, you want to get on Instagram or whatever it is you're trying to do, but you're like right. putting off. If you take the pressure off of yourself and you don't give the power to the, the anxiety and the stress and the overwhelm, the, oh my God, what if I fail and I embarrass myself and it doesn't work. And you then give it to yourself and say, okay, well, let's just run an experiment. Let's see how it feels to do a podcast or let's write a couple sentences or let's do my first post or let's take an Instagram class. Like how can we like experiment with it first? Because if we are just conducting an experiment, we can't really fail, can we? Because we're just 
experimenting and it it sort of gives us the power back instead of giving all the power to to fear because listen you will either you will either win or you will learn right so right. You, if that's the case then you can never really lose and i think there's so much power in that idea um, as well. So this is why I like to consider myself, you know, a little bit of an investigator, a little bit of a fierce scientist. And I just go play and I see what feels good and I see what works. And then if it works great. And if it doesn't, I've, I've learned, I've learned. So I went. Right. I think that that's so powerful. And I think when you sh shift your perspective, it just, you it takes that pressure off because today in society, it's like, I've, everybody's trying to do something similar and not everybody, yeah. but like there's a lot of competition and everybody's so worried about, you know, something being saturated and everybody, you know, wants instant gratification and everybody sees, you know, these 15 year olds on a private jet or 16 year olds driving Ferraris because of YouTube. All the, there's so much pressure now and not that there wasn't, you know, 20 years ago, but it's such a different mm -hmm. type of pressure. Um, that's of course relative to our t the time we're living in now, and so people have probably all of this fear of failure and the competition. They're so absorbed by it that it stops them from taking a step forward. And I think looking at fear in this way and taking the pressure off just will help to accelerate your growth and help you to find what you're meant to do in life, so that you can actually feel fulfilled rather than you know just stressing and anxious and fearful of like what's to come or what's this person doing. Because right. that's a big problem. Oh, it's an energy sucker. And it's like a, a, a it's mental, a mental sucker too. Like I'm always saying like my mental game and I know and you and I have this in common. I've struggled with anxiety my entire life. I mean, way before okay. social media and the internet, you know, I'm in my early forties. So I have had anxiety. I have a panic disorder. And so I work harder on my mental game than I do at my job. And I work hard at my job. Right. So I, yeah. I am always looking for ways to make sure that my mental game is so strong. And I think that there's always one constant in all of it. And that's always you because the economy will change. Social media will change. Technology will change. Right. Companies will fire you. They will hire you. People will love you and they will leave you. You will lose people you love. Your life is going to change and evolve. We cannot outrun that. But the one thing we can always control is us, how we show up and how we contribute. Same in the improv theater. I have no idea what someone on a stage is going to say, I don't have a script, but neither do you. Right. None of us have a script. So the one thing I do have though, is I can show up and I can contribute right. and I can move my life forward one scene, one word, one moment every day at a time. So it's this also idea of micro dosing. And I don't know about you for your anxiety, but for me, what helps me, especially when I feel like panicked or overwhelmed or really in something deep, um, I microdose. I go really small. Like for example, even the idea of like, journaling. I, I've always like everybody gratitude journals or has these journaling practices. And everybody says, you know, you, you, so you think like everybody's sitting down for 45 minutes in this like perfect Zen light state, like writing pages <laughs> of like beautiful inspiration. And I mean, that just isn't reality every day for everyone. And so, you know, for right. me, when I, when I need to get out of a space of deep stress or anxiety or overwhelm, I'll just set a timer honestly for two minutes and I'll just catch a vibe. Even if it's just breathing, 
for 60 seconds, taking three deep breaths or journaling for two minutes, it's at least putting momentum in my corner. And I think once we start to get in deep with momentum and we start dancing around with momentum, we can become kind of hard to stop because you, you begin to, to pick up a little steam and, and boy, fear hates momentum. I write a whole chapter in my book on the power of uh. just dancing with momentum a little bit, just doing a little bit like micro dosing that big, scary thing, you know, and breaking it down into something really small to just get you started. And, and, you know, that's a hack that helps me move with my fear too. I was going to ask you that, what are some of your best tips? But I think that that's so realistic for so many people. For me, I'm, I have very severe anxiety. I deal with constant panic attacks. It's probably because I have so much energy and, I, and I've had so many things happen to me in the past. And it's like, like, I'm going, going, going. And I would have never thought that I would have been the type of person to sit down and journal and um, meditate even because I just, my mind doesn't stop. People have been like, Sydney, you're like the energizer bunny. And like, I am, it's the truth. Like, I'm just like, I, that's my personality. But on top of it, I just, there's so much going on. So for a lot of people who are like, that it's like okay I can't you're right like sitting down and journaling for 45 minutes it's not for me I, I don't do that either I sit down and I, I do I set a timer also actually okay. and if let's say I'm having a bad day or a panic moment or something I will I'll set a timer it, it could be for 15 or 20 minutes sometimes I'll even allow myself a day off which is not micro but I'll allow myself the time okay. to get over it but I think that's so valuable to just set a timer for just two minutes because it really could take such a short amount of time where you allow yourself in that moment to either journal, to feel bad, to cry, whatever you need. And that timer goes off and it's like, you, there's different energy that comes through. I love it. And I love I think this, this idea of like you being the energizer bunny. You're like, that's just who I am. I would say that's your superpower. <laughs> like that's your superpower. That is your superpower. And it, you know, that has always been my superpower. And I think this is what made yeah. you and I naturally, I think we must be separated at birth, but I, I think it's what made us like naturally yeah. sort of connect to each other too, because it is really hard for me to slow down. And while I don't want to not be someone who doesn't have energy, I have to work really hard because I am so energized. I can crash really hard too, you know? So I have yeah. to- How do you manage that? So there's a couple of things I do. So like you said, you know, it's, it's small practices. So journaling, uh, riding my Peloton bike, spinning it out, uh, taking a day off. Sometimes I just need to like force myself to just, you know, shut it down for a minute, uh, which can be really hard as an entrepreneur. Uh, but yeah. a, a lot of like, like talking to myself. So there'll be times like, especially if I feel like panic coming on or really deep, deep, like a moment where I feel like, oh my God, my breath is getting taken away. And oh my, I don't know what, it, you know, if I'm feeling like really deep anxiety coming on, I, I sometimes will just talk to myself, like even literally just saying to myself, like, like literally clapping my hands, like something loud to like wake my brain up a little bit. And I use the Mel Robbins right. I don't know Mel Robbins, she talks about counting down from five. So I would, I'll like do something like to like jolt myself. I'll clap, I'll be like five, four, three, two, one. And I count down because that scientifically is shown to like reprogram your brain. And I will literally tell myself like, you, you've been here before you do. This is what we do. You do this. And by the way, you're in charge, not, not this. And I like hold like point to my brain, you know, meaning like you, we do this. We've been here before. Yes. This plane is hot but you've been on hot planes before. We are, we are good. We yeah. do this. Right. And so it could be something simple like that, but I think working out has been 
the number one thing, I mean, I went from, I, I do not have panic attacks like I used to. I still struggle with anxiety, but I think working out um, and, and having a really healthy outlet like that has been a massive shift for me mentally, more than I probably ever thought it would. Um, and yeah. then I do uh, every day a tactical thing I do that may help your listeners too, and, and maybe even yourself. I write uh, non-negotiable. I mean, there are going to be one or two days here or there that I miss in a week, but usually I do not. But I write every morning or every night, one of the two, sometimes both if I need it, 10 power statements. So these are 10 statements and they begin with I am because I believe what follows I am will be. So for example, like on my list this morning, it is things like, you know, I am safe to relax and receive. I am awesome at confrontation. I am amazing at saving money. I am healthy and disease-free. I am an awesome keynote speaker. I am, um, you know, a New York Times bestselling author. Now I'm not yet, but you think I'm gonna sit down and create different work? Yeah, if I'm calling that hole versus sitting down to say, God, I don't really write really good. So the point of these for me is to manage my anxiety and to put myself into a place that I really believe I want to be and that I believe I'm worthy of because I believe what follows I am will be. So uh, it takes me 60 seconds, 90 seconds to do this. And it's a powerful anxiety beating exercise that puts me in the driver's seat um, versus my fear and the worry and the anxiety over what probably won't happen. I love that. And I think that's something that if anyone listening, if you deal with anxiety or even if you don't deal with anxiety to take note of right now because I think that that's something when you look at it's like I'm a big believer in the law of attraction so like I have my vision boards I have my gratitude journals I I have journals where I do like all this law of attraction stuff I'm really into it and so if you believe that you already have something and you can actually read it on paper it makes such a difference and therefore I believe that you make better decisions that will get you closer to where you want to be to and also feeling more comp you'll feel more confident when you do these things and I I think that that's really really powerful and I love that and I have a personal question for you where do you think your anxiety stemmed from because everybody talks about anxiety and stress and fear and we talk about the surface level and what we can do but like it's interesting to hear where people's anxiety stem from because when you understand where it came from, you can also find solutions. But until we start talking about these things, it's like, okay, we, it, 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 it's just kind of surface level, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I always think there's a story behind any of it. And it's such a good question. I think fear and anxiety and overwhelm and stress is going to look different for all of us. I mean, men are going to fear and have anxiety about different things than a woman would. And what I feared and had anxiety over as a 20-year-old is a lot different than what I have fear and anxiety about as a 40-year-old. So we're all going to have different fears and anxieties. And sometimes fear is stemmed from a family issue or an environmental issue. And sometimes it's there to like really keep us safe, right? We, you know, we have to trust our gut. Uh, but the bottom line is, I really believe it's going to look different for for all of us. The one thing I do know for sure is that it's always sort of like mind over 
matter. Um, and so for me personally, mine is mine is rooted in, in, in my upbringing. So I grew up in a household. I'm the oldest of four and a very modest to low, lower middle class upbringing. So, you know, there was there was no silver spoon in my world. Right. So I worked hard for everything I have. But I grew up with a mom who uh, still to this day is mentally ill. And so I never really I, I don't have much of a relationship with her. We're working on it so hard every single day. But I have to set very deep boundaries with my mom. And I'm a grown woman. And it still is a part of my life. But I think being the oldest and being a girl, I felt at an early age uh, a little unsafe because you just never knew what you were going to get. And uh, the one thing I knew I could control was like my little world and my room and my environment and my social activities. And so it I think it manifests in my life as anxiety because when things get out of control or when things don't feel right for me, it brings up some of those old feelings of like, you know, of, of, you know, oh my God, you know, what's going to happen if, if this is, you know, it just messes up my world a little bit. And, and, you know, my, my fear, yeah. like my own mother, um, kind of has manifested that way, even in my adult life, you know, even the people pleasing and that some of the things that I, I work on every day, uh, because I didn't get that love and approval from my mom. So I sought it out in so many other ways. And, uh, while this is a really kind of deep ish co conversation, it's, it's, it's a, a story that I think a lot of people can relate to, you know, you know, you're, in, there's a, you know, we're not going to have perfect family situations in every scenario, but you can either be a victim or you can be a badass. And I chose to be a badass. Yes, right? yeah. I chose to use um, my story with my mom as fuel to like my fire. And, you know, as hard as that was and is, I would be a very, I probably wouldn't have a book called Fears My Homeboy or a business had I had a different mom. And so as angry as I can get about it, I'm very grateful for it too. And it just, it, it's something I get better at dealing with as I get older, but my anxiety and a lot of my fears were rooted in just a fear of like fearing a parent, you know, as a kid and being scared right. to be in your own house. And I think that sometimes is manifested into my adult life. But, you know, now I've got a better handle on it through years of therapy and lots of reading and affirmations and the law of attraction and doing a lot of the work that you're doing. I have sort of healed myself from the inside because I don't want to have resentments and I don't want to hate my mom because I know that's only going to make me sick. It, that's all it's going to do. And so there's power in forgiveness, but there's also power in boundaries. And so it's just figuring out what that balance looks like. I, I first of all, the, uh, brave is definitely the word of this episode because you really want, you, you took control of your life and you turned it into what you wanted and you didn't let these things hold you back. And I'm very, very similar in this way where I had a lot Lots of obstacles growing up, but I thought, you know, I, I have to keep moving forward and I'm always grateful for it, although it was difficult because if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And I know it's always easier to look back and say, oh, I'm grateful. But now it's taught me that moving forward, every obstacle and everything that we face in life is, 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 is leading us in a direction where we're kind of meant to be. And, and we're, I, I just choose to believe that we're in this place for a reason. And, and I like that you said, you know, with the whole victim mentality thing, because if you choose to have a victim mentality, you're never going, you're not going to feel fulfilled and happy. You're just going to feel sorry for yourself. But if you take responsibility for your life, then you can get the help you need to 
live a happy life and one that you really, really want. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. It goes back to the fundamental truth from the improv theater that I think shook my life the most, which is the idea that there are no mistakes, only gifts. Like I'm not a mistake. My mom's not a mistake, right? None uh, of it was a mistake. Oh, it was, yeah. And so you step into your power and you can use your story, your embarrassing. Well, I mean, I've been dumped. I've been told my idea will never work. I've been turned down by publishers. I've been in debt up to my eyeballs. I mean, I have done, had so many challenges and I'm doing air quotes failures, but they now are all a part of the story. And, you know, when we know better, we do better. And we hear that all the time and it's easy to say, but are we really living it? And it takes guts to live that way to really say, okay, this is so hard right now. And I am like kind of on my knees right now. Um, but I will get up and I will keep going. And I, I, I realize that I can either win or I can learn. I can either win or I can learn, but I will never lose. I will never lose. A victim loses. A fear boss. That's what we yes. call ourselves in my community. We call ourselves fear bosses. Like we're the boss, not fear. A fear boss never loses because they realize, a fear boss realizes that she will, or he will win or he will learn and she will learn. And that's the bottom line. That is the anthem. That is the mantra. This, this is amazing. I, I'm, I feel so inspired right now by all of this because it's, it really is just, it's your mindset. And if we can learn to shift our mindset, then it can change the, the trajectory of our, of our life. So I want to talk about, so you grew up, you, you had your obstacles and then you were in sales and marketing and then you took this improv class and then you went into business for yourself. You became an entrepreneur and a speaker. What were some of the, what was the biggest challenge you faced? And how did you overcome it? Um, I love that. I get this question. Um, I've gotten this question from time to time on different panels and stuff. And it's always hard for me to like pinpoint one because I do kind of, and for a very long time, I've had that like, I either win or I learn mentality. So it's hard for me to sometimes be like, oh, this was a big mistake because I I don't know. I see almost, I see so many mistakes as gifts, but really my biggest, like most embarrassing low point of, you know, of my adult life was, you know, the whole reason I got to Chicago. I mean, yeah, I, I got a promotion into my industry, but it was all because I had like left. I moved from St. Louis. I tell this story in the book. I moved from St. Louis where I was living at the time for like this guy for love. Right. And literally three months right. into move, like he dumped me and I left everything. I quit my job. I, I mean, I was killing it in St. Louis and I had such a, 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 you know, a great personal brand and I was very successful and I had so many friends and family and all this good stuff was happening. And I left for this guy and three months into it, I moved to a small town in Illinois, like he dumped me. And, um, that like very public, embarrassing, um, vulnerable, failure, if you will, ended up becoming my greatest gift. And how I overcame it was I got myself off the bathroom floor from crying and looking like a fool and being embarrassed. And I moved all my stuff into this like little apartment in the same small town in Illinois until I could get back on my feet. I started calling everyone I knew because I had built a great brand and a great reputation in the meetings industry. I worked in the hotel industry. Um, I started making phone calls and um, within 90 days, I didn't even unpack the boxes in this like apartment I was doing month by month because I knew, and I would just go home every weekend to St. Louis to try and like get, stay positive and, and not like right. 
cry myself to sleep every single night. Um, but I still was working with this other job. It's kind of a long story. Anyway, um, I, I ended up getting myself out of that situation and back into the industry that I loved. Um, and I moved to Chicago by way of that failure and that horrible moment. But it took that, it took me taking a risk and getting outside of my comfort zone and moving for a guy. And it took me failing and being in a really low, embarrassing public place for me to get out of a really safe environment, which was St. Louis. Now I could have run back there and moved back there, but I didn't. I, I moved to a bigger city. I moved to Chicago. I knew two people and um, I, I literally started kind of over again. And it really walked me into what, what has become the rest of of my life. And I, I think it was probably my first and my biggest ever fear experiment that at the age of 30, that has continued to pay off every single day ever since that moment. I mean, it was the best thing. Like, I thank God, I mean, for the longest time, I'm like, God, I can't believe I like wasted, you know, this time with this guy. Now I'm like, Oh my God, I thank God for it every single day because it's what got me off of my booty and out of St. Louis and into what has become my business, my book improv, uh, some of my best friends. And most certainly my husband, I mean, like everything began once right. everything ended. Does that make sense? You just, you just, just needed to take that risk yeah no it makes sense and, and they say a lot of people say that their career and their happiness and where they are at in life not, not like the success that a lot of successful people say exactly what you just said that their success started when they were at their lowest point because it pushed them into the place where they were meant to be oh my gosh a hundred percent and i think we are taking the risk yeah. And I think we get the most resourceful in when we don't have anybody handing us any anything. Like I had to figure that out for myself. Right. And and, uh, you know, it, it's easy when you've got, you know, all the everybody giving you everything there. There is so much power and scrappiness in 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 being resourceful and picking yourself up and bootstrapping it and building it and I mean this is where you know I always say to Amanda on my team I'm like I feel like we're in a startup like every single day like you know I became a keynote speaker and a public speaker and we figured out the speaking business and then I wrote a book and now I feel like we're figuring out the book business it's like you know you're right. podcast you're like now I'm figuring out the podcast game like you just learn and there's you know, when you look at it as like, you know, you're in a startup, your life is a startup, really, you know what I mean? Every day you're beginning again. And so, um, you know, it's exciting. Again, this is why I love this idea of like being a fear, little, little fear scientist, right? A little fear, Albert Einstein, you know, we're just figuring yeah. it out and, you know, let's, let's play and let's experiment and let's trust and love ourselves enough to know that when S H I T hits the fan, when we are on our knees on the bathroom floor in a really low painful moment, uh, that we will rise and we can rise and it might take a minute, but boy, get ready for what's on the other side. Cause it's on, you know, it's on. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to be willing to go for it and you have to be willing to keep moving forward no matter what. Because if you're not moving forward, you're not getting anywhere. Yep. Uh, amen. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And so what advice would you give to someone who maybe has a dream or a goal or maybe they're, in, they're at rock bottom, right? And it's it, what is one piece of advice that you would tell them right now who's in, and they want to go after, they have an idea, they want to go after their goals but they just, they're fearful. What is the first thing you would tell them? Just one thing you would tell them to do? 
I would say to remember that not one single person you follow, you read, you admire, you watch that is living a brave boss, bold life got there without doing uncomfortable things in order to get any of that. So you have to remember that we are all scared and none of us really know what we are doing. And the ones who do it are the ones who are brave enough to go scared that are brave enough to get uncomfortable. So what I would say is that you must get uncomfortable every day on purpose. If you want to live and lead um, a really comfortable life, we have to get comfortable. I think, I think that that, I mean, I choose to live my life by that and it's very scary, but it's worth it when I always say, and actually I say this in so many podcasts, but Steve Jobs said this. I didn't say this, but you can, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect it looking back. So you have to keep moving forward and then you can connect it looking back. But I want to talk about now because a lot of this, the reasons why we don't move forward oftentimes has to do with fear. So I want to talk about your book, Fear is My Homeboy. First of all, I'm scrolling through my phone right now because I believe believe I was at the airport. I was going to Chicago to visit my family not too long ago. And I could have sworn I saw your book in the bookstore at the airport. Are your books in the bookstore at the airport? Yeah, so we're, we're in about 150 airports uh, nationwide. Yeah. And so we're all over the okay. place, Barnes and Noble airports, all the good stuff. I'm literally looking at, cause I took a picture of it and I was like, I need to read this book. And then I was running late for my flight and I didn't, I usually buy a book when I go to the airport. Yeah. And so I'm scrolling my phone and I saw it and then I was like oh my god wait what time is it because I can get really lost in the bookstore like I I spend too much time and I didn't end up buying it I, now I ordered it but um Yay. but I Thank yeah you. but I'm looking through my phone I'm like where's the picture because I always take a picture if I see a, a book that I'm like oh I have to read that so tell me about what what are a few things that people can expect I mean you've, you've shared a lot that's in your book but what are the key things that people can expect from your book tell us about it yeah, high level. Thank you so much for asking. And thank you for your support and your love. You have no idea Absolutely. how that means. I'm uh, so excited. And when you write your book someday, girl, I'll be first in line. I'll be first in line. It means so much to me. Um, but it, so it's high level. It's a book about courage and bravery. And it's really a collection of stories and ideas and tactical tools to help you get out of your own way. And there's seven chapters and each chapter ends with five homework assignments and or creative thinking exercises. So it's, I really wanted to the book to be fun and funny and inspirational, but I also wanted you to be able to take the book and to go dig deep and to use the ideas to like lead um, book clubs or book groups or uh, sales meetings at your work. And, you know, I wanted it to be a book that that would, wouldn't stop after you've read it. And um, even now, as I speak, I mean, next week I go into Chicago, I'm recording for Audible. So for audiobook listeners, um, we're going to be up on Audible in time for Christmas. And then in my... Yeah. Yeah, which is awesome. And then in my January print, we're reprinting the book to include because it everybody's asking the reprint in January will include and as soon as we get it done, it'll be up on the website. So everybody will be able to get it even if you have a physical book. So you don't have to wait till January. Uh, but we're going to include like 
uh, there are book club guides. So for people who have book clubs and for people who want to do, we encourage fear boss circles at work so that, you know, uh, corporations can have brave conversations inside their organization. So we're going to have a reader's guide to help people facilitate those conversations. So we're always adding to the book, but th there are seven chapters and it begins. Chapter one is love yourself because none of it works if we don't love ourselves. Um, then chapter two, we get a little woo woo. We talk about the universe and how the universe has your back. That's the title. Chapter three is about getting balanced, really living a balanced life because it's so easy to get overwhelmed. And how do we manage our anxiety and how do we manage our workload? Um, and we get tactical there. Chapter four is all about being the CEO of you. Whether you run a business or not, you're a boss. You are the boss of your life. So how do we effectively and bravely run that business? Chapter five is all about your network and your tribe. It's titled how to or find your tribe and love them hard. Uh, chapter six is all about momentum. It's titled the magic of momentum. Like how do we stay? We talked about this a little bit, microdosing, setting timers. How do we, how do we get in deep with action? And then chapter seven is titled your homeboy fear. So now that we've learned all of these things, where do we go from here? And, and how do we lean into this idea of befriending, which is really what it means to make fear your homeboy. Like fear is is my friend, right? Um, and how do we move forward with our fear? So that's kind of high level what to expect, but we call it a fear party. It's like a big old fear party. Uh, we want to break down the scary stigma of fear. And I really wanted to um, help people uh, feel more comfortable in all of the uncomfortable moments that are just sort of bound to happen. Oh my God. I am, first of all, I, congratulations again. I'm so excited to read this book. And I think that everything that you've that is so valuable and you are this has just been absolutely empowering and inspiring and it is going to make such an impact and you already are making such an impact and I'm so grateful that we connected and I'm excited to see everything that happens for you and it's so funny because I'm going to be in Chicago next week also <laughs> um but I I go home all the time. <laughs> oh my God, I love this. We'll have to DM you. We're, we're, it's a crazy audiobook schedule. I, but I I'll DM you because you never know if we're in the same city at the same time or in the city at the it, same time. You, ne you never know. But before we go, would you tell everybody where they can find you? I will link everything, including your book, in the show notes. However, for the people who don't read the show notes, I just want to make sure that they don't miss anything because you are such an inspiration. Oh my God, you're amazing. Thank you for that. And um, so yeah, my book is, you know, Amazon. So just search up Fears My Homeboy on Amazon. That's a great way to find my book. But of course I have a website. So I'm um, Judy with an I. So J-U-D-I holler h-o-l-l-e-r uh dot com so that's my website judyholler.com and then i'm also at judy holler j-u-d-i-h-o-l-l-e-r on instagram and that's probably where i hang out the most it's a great way to talk to me direct it's how you and i synced up so you know that i'm yes. always on yes. instagram um, and I think those are the best ways, my website, my Instagram and, or going to Amazon. But also I wanted to say, I did a little free freebie for your listeners. So anybody that wants to like test drive the book and get to know me without buying anything, um, they can actually text brave the word brave to the number four, seven, four, seven, four, seven. And they can get access to a couple chapters of the book for free and some downloadable freebies like my morning mantra and a journal, like all kinds of fun, fun resources that I think will help people learn a little bit more about me without buying a darn thing.
Oh my gosh, thank you so much. And I hope that everybody goes and takes advantage of that because everything that you have to say is so valuable. And we have, like I've said, so much to learn from you. And I so appreciate you taking the time today to be on the She Did It podcast. This has been amazing and I can't wait to make an impact together. Oh my gosh, you are already doing doing it, Sydney. You are such a gift. Um, so keep going, and I'm I'm honestly honored to have connected with you. And you know, as stressed out as we can get over social media, it's the moments like this that are really beautiful because you can build such a great community. You can make an impact, and you can meet people like you. So um, you're a gift, girl. Keep going.